Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Uh. Yeah. Uh. And what is up? Welcome in GC Live Wednesday episode of the show rolling right along. West Mitchell here, Chris Clark, South Carolina versus Vanderbilt. Coming up, noon kickoff. Gamecocks trying to win two in a row and get to Four and six, I guess. Um, Gamecocks, of course, winning over Jacksonville State this past week. We will put the bow completely on that one and move this thing forward to upcoming game. Also, of course, going to talk, as we do every Wednesday, about what the coordinators had to say about both this past week and the upcoming week. Good kind of final opportunity to look back on that game. And uh, this week, we got the pleasure of hearing from Pete Limbo as well. That's kind of an every other week thing. Always great to hear from Limbo. So we'll get to all of that, but first going to tell you about our friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. ClintHammond.com is how you can find out more information. Call him today, 803-771-6933. Clint is a mortgage broker in the Columbia area, but can help you no matter where you are in the great state of South Carolina. If you want to support a Gamecock who supports us, let Clint help you buy a home today. Or even if you're not ready, even if you're kind of just on the fence, Clint can talk you through what your options may be what your payments may look like, and uh, what the future of the home buying or selling industry might look like moving forward. So again, shout out to Clint, good friend of ours, and a great supporter of GC Live for, what, three years now, I think, as our presenting sponsor. So thank you for that, Clint. Chris, Dow Loggins, Clayton White, Pete Limbo. Any Anything that caught your attention in this one above all else? 
Yeah, I'd say several things, Wes. Uh, I did not, by the way, we like to keep track of this. No written notes today. No note. No note nope. Wednesday. <laughs> no notes Wednesday, which is probably more typical for us. It's a special day if either of us literally jot down notes. And I did not. Um, Dowell Loggins, Wes, a little bit shorter. I was surprised because he didn't field too many Vandy-related questions. Right, He talked about Vandy, talked about how hard they play, how fundamentally sound they are. And, and that is something that stood out to me a little bit, to, to segue into that, to kind of bring this forward and start talking about Vandy a little bit. You know, he he said something and was like, basically saying he wasn't trying to, he didn't use the word bash, right? But he kind of used some adjectives for Vandy and the way he described Vandy. And he wouldn't say this, but just to kind of say, hey, like, hey, this isn't the most talented defense in the world, but they play hard. They're well coached, right? And he said that when you play a team like this, it's really about you as a football team and playing fundamentally sound yourself. He pointed out how Vandy and Shane Beamer talked about this the other day. Wes has, I think, their second in the league in turnovers forced. And so that's an area that South Carolina, in which they've been really good offensively this year, they've not turned the football over at nearly as high of a clip as they did last season. I think Loggins and Spencer Rattler and the running backs all get a lot of credit for that. Um, But it's something that's going to be important in this game. And Dowell Loggins made the connection of, hey, you know, the, the reason that they get turnovers, Vandy, is because they are so well coached. And they are in the right places. So you got to make sure you're in the right place. And Wes, to kind of go back to the Jacksonville State game of an as an example of what not to do, didn't result in a turnover, but he went through the that outside run play that Juju McDowell had, right? We were all kind of wondering about this. And they basically had a, a defensive lineman come free. He was able to get a hand on Juju, drag him down. Everything else about that play looked pretty good. And Dowell went back and confirmed that. He said, hey, our guys on the outside, the arc blocks are great. We blocked everybody else, but we missed a block on the inside. Guy came free. If not, he said Juju would have still been running right now. And so you can kind of look back, right, at what do you have to clean up going into the Vandy game, and it's just that, you know, doing the little things, making your blocks, playing more, playing fundamentally sound, because if you do that, this is a game that, you can win because you won't turn the ball over as much and you'll be able to match up better with Vanderbilt. I I thought that was a great reactionary quote um, about Juju from Dow. You know, he, I think he'd still be running right now. And, you know, there, there was, as always something to kind of chew through there. I I think with everything Dow had to say, first of all, didn't that sort of feel a little bit like, uh, so, the, the only the two parallels I can draw it's kind of like when it's kind of like the game manager tag gets put on quarterbacks and especially these days when people hear game manager there's a negative connotation to that and uh, it, it's also it's kind of like when maybe you're about to try to hire someone and you're asking like how how good are they at drawing? Like you're you're gonna hire them for a mural or something. How good are they at drawing? And they're like, oh, they're a good person. And oh, the dreaded. They they have a good personality. 
Yeah. So that that's the way I that's honestly the way I when oh they play hard and they're well coached. <laughs> you're not you're not telling me, man, this defensive front is really hard to block. Or man, it, like I, I don't you know, and and I don't I'm not saying that's the way Dow Loggins meant it, but just the, the reality is this has not been a very good Vandy defense. And you know, when, whenever you Whenever you go into a press conference like this, you're gonna you're not gonna sit there and bash them, but you're maybe grasping a little bit to find some good things to say, and you know find finding out hey they do force a lot of turnovers that that's obviously a positive that's that's something they can point to, and you know you can guarantee Beamer going into that Tuesday presser, he's gonna have done his research and he's gonna find something positive to point to. You know, oh, the, he he started talking about. I, I went back and like compared notes, Wes. Since, I mean, his was now Georgia's win over Vandy this year was a little sleepy, thirty-seven to twenty. But one of his points about that game, hey, Vandy was up seven nothing in that game, and then hey, they have a, a defensive end that's. Six six and this, and I'm not sure if the guy even starts, but he's on, he is on the team, right? So you do have to, you got to grasp a little bit more. Contrast that with you know what we heard about Texas A&M's defense, or what Dowell Loggins said about Georgia's defense. If, you know, he's talking about oh, half of them play for the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, that type of thing. It is a little different, but th- therein, Wes lies a very very easy key to the game. So I'll, I'll go ahead and say it's going to be one of mine, and people are going to roll their eyes to say, ah, oh, it's one of those ones you could use every week. But not turning the football over, that's the key to the game. When you're favored, when you're playing a team that hasn't been great defensively by any means, but they have been pretty adept at getting turnovers, there's your formula, right? Don't turn the football over, and you're going to have an opportunity, especially at home, to move the football and have success. If you do turn the football over, there's your recipe for an upset. So early key to the game, I was thinking anyway, but then after hearing Dowell Loggins speak, I'm I'm even more, you know, convicted of that. Yeah, man. So um obviously you go into this one, you're favored, you feel pretty good, even within the context of it, what yeah, it's a disappointing season. You feel good about South Carolina matching up. The game is in Columbia. Um it, it actually the line is very similar to last week, even with it being an SEC team. It's very similar to the line as far as the Vegas odds go, as you saw with Jacksonville State. So I think the question for South Carolina is just, are they going to go into this game kind of like last week where you had some opportunities early on to extend this lead out and have a much more laid-back Saturday in Willie B versus – letting Vanderbilt hang around and letting them sort of you, – you never want to put yourself in that position where one bust could lose you the game. And that was the danger that South Carolina put itself in with Jacksonville State driving. Just one secondary bust, one one guy trips, dude. I mean, we're, we're talking about human beings. One guy, you know, the old turf monster that, that gets you every now and then. They got one, Xavier. Yeah, one one DB, yeah, steps wrong, falls, and 
you're in the danger zone. You're already in the danger zone, but you're you're in the danger zone of truly losing this football game. So I always look at games like this. Avoid the danger zone. And yes. the, the way to avoid the danger zone is just to step on them when you have the chance. And I think I use that exact terminology going on going into yeah. last year. The chance was there, but it didn't happen. And I think this is once again a defense that you're facing at home that the offense should be able to score some points this week. I thought they really left some stuff out there this past week. Can you execute a little bit better? The the never-ending story, can you just roll the same, for the most part, five offensive linemen out there, man? I mean, I I borderline, like, not that I was laughing at anyone getting hurt. Nobody take this the wrong way. Yeah. But I borderline just started chuckling to myself when I see somebody – tending to an offensive lineman because I'm just like, these guys are so just snake bit right now when it comes yeah. to injuries to that one position. And it's like, all right, can you can you just roll the, the same five? Now, it seems like they're kind of wanting to rotate Kaysen and Tree out there at left tackle. Kind of interesting also, Chris, if you go by PFF, Tree responded with by far – the best game of his career uh, as far as PFF grades. Graded out at 90 there you go. Uh, this past week. So kind of, kind of funny, little increased competition, and then boom, <laughs> now the competition you faced maybe has something to do with that too. But anyway, I'm getting off track here. Can you go out there and for the most part have your pieces available? We know on Joiner is not going to be available, but we'll see on Trey Knox. But can you just find some continuity on offense against a defense? I'm going to pull up the numbers here while you talk, but just Vandy not statistically a great defense in a lot of categories. Yeah, they're not. I mean, the turnovers have been, you know, it's like a a, bat, a, a not good defense that's been quite good in, in a particular area. So for South Carolina, that's the area where that is your absolute priority. You, you cannot let them um, – you know, turn turn the football over on you. That that's the area that you obviously have to avoid. Um, I think you make a great point, Wes, and and you've got to do what you didn't do last week, which is jump on this team early. We went over all the missed opportunities against Jacksonville State. The defense actually played well, not in that game, the Gamecock defense. They played well early, though, right? They got a third and one stop. Um they got multiple other stops. The offense, South Carolina offense, scored on their first first possession. It was a dream start, but the offense did not capitalize early when the defense did get stops. And then both sides started sputtering. And then you had some special teams issues and some penalties, and things just started piling up. Wes, I mean, to your point on kind of waiting on that last drive against Jacksonville State for, you know, watching for a bust, that wasn't something you had to imagine, right? That wasn't like, a nightmare. I mean, it would have been a nightmare scenario, but it's something we've seen. It's something we saw in the game. We saw uh, a Jacksonville State guy catch a ball with one hand and then, uh, you know, bounce off of two Gamecock defenders who ran into each other. We saw uh, a third and two ball thrown over a couple defenders' heads. Like, we have seen that. And so those are the situations you have to avoid. Where you're vulnerable you have to have you have to be able to play better complementary football. Shane Beamer talked about it on Tuesday. The notion of complementary football. 
you got to be better there so that you're not so overly relying on if we don't get this third down stop, it doesn't look very good, right? Or if we don't, if the offense doesn't pick up this first down in the first quarter, then you got to give the ball back to the other team, jump on them early, take advantage of your opportunities, and go into the fourth quarter feeling really good about this game. That that would be your dream scenario. Yeah, man. I, I think if um, if you're sitting there looking at this game and you'd love, and again, we're probably getting way far ahead of ourselves, but look, looking at the rotation early last week, I think we were going to see some guys in this game that maybe we haven't seen quite as much of this season. And I think the the way the game played out, you go into halftime, you know, you're, you're up seven, but then instantly JSU scores in the third quarter after a turnover and it's it's tied and then JSU has the lead and then we're on this faster clock these days and you're going man I, we got to play our guys we got to play our our starters and our main rotational players and so there was really no opportunity it just felt to me like you know we saw an early DJ Braswell appearance um we're seeing Taka Hemingway run the football in um as a fullback basically and it just felt like a game where maybe some different guys were going to get involved, and then it quickly turned into, no, nah, i got to just find a way to escape and, and win this game. So we'll see if there are some opportunities to rotate some different guys in because you're at that point where everybody is kind of banged up, honestly. So it, it can be helpful to be able to rotate some guys, but you got to put yourself in a position to feel comfortable doing it. And then, hey, you can go make a mistake, and it's not game-threatening. Uh, let's go back a little bit to what Loggins was talking about, Chris. Um, h- how about his words about Leggett? Like, I-, I know those guys have talked up Leggett, rightfully so, all dating back to the offseason, how hard he's worked. and But just Loggins talking about how all the other young wide receivers can, can learn from Leggett, how uh, – didn't he say he wants his kids to watch? How yes. Leggett works. Um, yeah. I didn't think I made that up. And then just even talking about how they, they've tried to put him on a pitch count and practice this week. And it's like he's just not having it. They have to pull him off the field. And he's kind of reached the point one, as as we just talked about. It's a grind of a season. And he's, he's earned some snaps off in, in practice. And you're going, all right, man, let's just get you to Saturday. And he's saying, no, I got to get my work in. And so, Chris, talk talk about a turnaround, though, man. Like, I'm I'm not in any way dogging the early part of his career, but he was one of those guys that was kind of dinged up quite a few times, and, and they're all legit, but he has found a way to stay on the field, even when he's been – I mean, how many times this year, Chris, has he not been on, like, the injured list? But you can sort of see he gets hit and he's pulling himself up off the turf. You see him go to the sideline and you're like, ooh, are they going to be without 17 the rest of this game? And then my man is back out there running 23 miles an hour a couple of drives later. XL is the new Brian Edwards. 
because you're going, oh man, Brian Edwards' ankle is cooked. Oh, touchdown! You know, like that, that's how that's that is the full Xavier Leggett experience. So, you know, you're almost surprised he took that hit against Missouri on the kickoff. And you're like, oh, he's down. And I fully 100% expected him back out there. I mean, it was jarring to see him on the sideline not in that game and a little banged up, you know, against Texas A&M to where you're like, okay, he's not he's not superhuman, right? He is still a human. But it has been a, a remarkable turnaround. He's always had it in him. And, man, he has just done everything the right way. And so it's easy to root for a guy like that. And Wes, this gives me a great segue into a segment we haven't had here in a while, and I'm going to bring it back. I did not inform you, the producer, but I'm bringing it back. Gamecock Russ, stat of the week, I've got one, and it's from our guy, Gamecock Russ, so very fitting. Xavier Leggett's first 40 games at South Carolina, 35 catches, 345 yards, and three touchdowns. But in the last 10, Wes, 57 catches, 1,051 yards, and seven touchdowns. So he's had an incredible last 10 games for South Carolina, counting the bowl game this year. He's not done yet. And so uh, looking forward to seeing what he has left. Yeah, it's been fun to watch, man. We've said it 100 times now, but just the latest example of why Hey, don't give up on a guy, especially when they look like Leggett does and they have that physical talent that Leggett does. I mean, we've said for quite some time he may be the most physically impressive guy on this entire roster. When you when if you just if you just sent an NFL scout to practice and you didn't give him any notes whatsoever, you didn't give him any background. 17s might be the first guy he starts looking at. And that was probably the case last year too, man. But I think we've seen we've seen the on-the-field, thanks to his hard work and, and the work ethic and all that, we've seen the on-the-field catch up to that natural, you know, just, just God-given ability, which uh, it has been really, really fun to watch. I did think one more thing on Loggins, or maybe two more things. We'll see. I thought it was interesting him talking about Spencer Rattler and even sort of the discussions they've had about how you deal with the media and how you deal with how you answer questions and him saying, look, I I believe in telling the truth when I'm standing in a press conference and kind of just giving his thought process on that. And the, the cool thing about that, I think from where we're sitting, Chris, is as Logan said that, you're not rolling your eyes, right? Like, I I feel like he had – there are some guys that could sit there and say that, and you're just like, dude, you don't even believe what you're saying. And so for him to say that, I was sitting there going, yes, that hit the approach he says he takes is what I think we've seen all year long from Loggins as he talks every Wednesday, and that is that he tries to – you know, the Juju McDowell thing. Hey, coach, what happened on this? Oh, well, yeah, we we had a bust inside, had a combo block, we missed it, and he's still run. Just giving honest answers when you can. And I think there's an acknowledgement from the media. We know you can't tell us everything. Fans know they can't tell you everything. 
but are you trying to to teach me something? Are you trying to educate the fans on your thought process? And so I appreciate that. I appreciate that approach. And I, I think Loggins once again sat there and and did that very thing. Yeah, he he had another line too, Wes, that I thought was great, and he basically said, "Hey, I, I appreciate the questions that you guys ask, but you ask them in a way where you're get, trying to get the information, but you're also not being a prick." Is what it's the exact word to use, actually. And there's been a lot of talk, Wes, about what coaches should say in press conferences, and if you're one of those people that says. The media doesn't ask hard questions. Uh, coaches don't answer questions. They're not going to say anything or whatever. Dowell Loggins is, I think, a really good case study because um, every week he comes in there, you're going to learn something. Uh, oftentimes, you're going to learn something philosophical about like offense and play calling, team building. But you're also going to learn some some more like granular things about offense and get some answers. I mean. Wes, heck, probably one of the more honest things he's ever said, I thought, or a great example of this, is when he was talking about, you know, midway through the season or so, hey, there's some guys out there that are just good enough to get you beat. And now he didn't start saying, now let me list them for you and start saying, you know, it's this guy, this side, this guy. But he was honest enough to say, hey, this is something we got to look at. This is something we are looking at, and here's how we're going to fix it. So I think he does a great job walking that line. And I know this doesn't have anything to do with what actually happens on Saturdays, right? He could be, you know, Gamecock offense could be scoring 60 points a game or zero, right? And if they're scoring zero, nobody would care about any of this that we're saying. But it just illustrates – I think he does a great job of walking that line between giving the information um, and, and giving it to us in a way that's honest, but isn't throwing people under the bus. And I think that's a great, uh, great approach. Yes. Yeah, a great quality, man. Very good approach. And you know, who else has a great approach, Chris? Yeah. My buddy, Trey Harrell. If you didn't do that segue, Wes, I was actually going to do it. So we were on the same page there and Trey Harrell has been voted the best personal injury attorney by the readers of the Post and Courier. So congrats to Trey for that. Bigger congrats to his clients, his past clients, his future clients, because that means they're getting great service in their time of need. Now, Trey Harrell helps folks who have been unfortunately injured in auto accidents all over Gamecock country and all over the great state of South Carolina. And of course, we hope, and Trey hopes, that you aren't ever injured in an auto accident. But if you are, if you have a friend or a family member who has been in an auto accident, has sustained an injury, you need somebody on your side. You don't want to go at it alone. You want to find an attorney, a personal injury attorney, who's going to fight for you, who's going to fight to get what you deserve, and find an attorney who helps. Remember that Trey helps. There you see it if you're watching on the video stream, at Trey Helps on Instagram, Twitter, or on TikTok. Lots of helpful tips. Lots of cool stuff from Trey on social media. You can also visit his site at attorneyharrell.com. Best personal injury attorney as voted on by the readers of the Post and Courier at Trey Helps on social media. Appreciate Trey Harrell helping us bring you GC Live a couple times a week. For sure, man. Appreciate you, Trey. And let's move along, Chris, to Clayton White and the defense for South Carolina. And you know, I thought there were some things in there, too. I thought it was interesting. Um, just one thing, saying 
there is no time to get mad about the defense. And I think he's one of those guys, Clayton White, very down to earth, very matter of fact about things. And I think just sort of uh, that kind of speaks to, to who he is, I think, in that he said every ounce of what he's doing right now is put in to the football program and his family. So you can sit there and feel sorry for yourself about the defense not being great this year, feel sorry for yourself about third down defense, or you can keep working and, and trying to fix it. So I, I know there's probably some people out there that have given up on this defense. I don't think in the room that they've given up, I think there's still been good effort. I think for the most part, they've there's been some positive moments the last few weeks. But the key, and the key to good defense in general, man, you gotta you gotta put it together more consistently. Like I, I think, I think inside the building, you're saying we have to do this more consistently. But generally, the difference between a good defense and a not very good defense is can they do it consistently? Like that that is yeah. the point, you know. I, I think so. Um, Vanderbilt rolls in, man, with an offense. They've got some unique pieces. They've got some wide receivers. They've got some, um, you know, the Shepherd kid is really good. They they rotate quarterbacks. They've got some unique things you have to be aware of if you're South Carolina. But also, this is an offense that has not been particularly successful overall this season. Yeah, it's an offense that, um, just from a pure talent standpoint, Wes, they're not going to be one of the better offenses that you've played. And, you know, when you play the level of competition that South Carolina does, every single team is going to have, even the lower level teams like a Vanderbilt, they're going to have some guys on the roster that will play in the NFL, right? I mean, that, that's just the reality. And Will Shepard is probably the best example of that. He's He's quite good, and he has been for a long time. Where Vanderbilt is not as good is they don't have the number of top shelf talents that say a, a Georgia, right? Because they're the gold standard right now in the SEC. They don't have that many talents. And then they also don't have the depth, the amount of quality depth that most teams or more teams uh, in the SEC have. So they do have some interesting pieces. Like you said, their, their second quarterback that they rotate in and out of there is six seven. He's a big kid. Um, they've got Shepard. They've got upstate South Carolina native Jaden McGowan, who's a very fast player. They have some guys on defense that, again, their defense is not great, um, but they do have some some interesting pieces there. So, you know, and again, they, they are a well-coached team. So are they going to be outmanned even by South Carolina? Yes, I think so. Uh, can they do some things, and will they do some things that may present you some problems? Yes. And and here's one of them, Wes, and this was actually the thing that I mentally jotted down that Clayton White said today. He was talking about um, the third down defense against Jacksonville State. It was not very good. What was it, 10 for 19? Was that just third down or was that third and fourth down combined? Either way, South Carolina third only. just third down only. So not a good number. Well, Clayton White pointed out, and he's right, because you can look at the box score, you can – Go look at the play-by-play. Play. You can remember back to the game. South Carolina had some opportunities, you know, to get off the field. And and there's always 
an opportunity to get off the field. If you're playing football, if you get somebody in third down, of course you can get off the field. But there were some easier opportunities to get off the field. And he pointed to second down. Remember how he went into that game saying, you got to play really well on first down. You got to have first and long and then make Jacksonville State earn it through three downs. Don't be in third and one all day. Well, South Carolina did that at times. And there was more than one occasion, Clayton White pointed to a couple of them specifically, where they had a guy in the backfield for no gain or a tackle for loss. And then instead, they miss a tackle, take a bad angle, miss a tackle. And now it's third and one, and you're able to just sneak it or run it. Uh, for a short gain and pick up a first down and keep the chains moving. So part of that inconsistency, Wes, has been missed opportunities. And you can think about them for this South Carolina defense all year. Some of them have been with the ball in the air, don't finish a play. Some of them have been, you got an opportunity to, you know, the Florida game, the fourth and 11. Use the sideline, push a guy out of bounds. Heck, he can get 10 yards on that play, right? Not missing tackles. We saw a guy reverse field you know, because they lost contain and in the Jacksonville State game and had a long game because you had a guy bottled up, you had what you wanted, you didn't finish the play. And I think that's been a big part of the consistency issues, and that's something that this team will have to harp on going forward. Yeah, that, that reverse field play had to be frustrating for the coaches, yeah. man. That's one of those where you just want to pull your hair out, I think. And so that, that was – maybe a microcosm type play of, of the season to an extent, you know, you're that, that was on a third and long, right? I believe it was. Ooh, was it? See, I didn't remember that. Well, th- there's yeah, another I'm one. I'm pretty then. sure that was on a third and long. <laughs> well, there's another one then, you know, add that to the list, right? That's not a, that's not a, we had a guy and maybe that was one of the plays he was actually talking about. That's not the one specifically he mentioned. He was talking about plays where, you know, second down, they got a chance to have second seven, second ten instead of it's third and one because you missed a tackle. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I, th- I thought I thought Clayton White gave a little more meat to to his answers today, and you know, t- talking about the three three five a little bit, and continue to talk about how they have linebackers coming along that they want to get on the field, um, dude. Jaron Willis has got a chance. Like that that dude, he moves differently. I feel like. Like there, there's some quick twitch in Jaron Willis. And there's some thump. There's some aggressiveness. You maybe don't want to rip the guy's helmet off as a play as uh, as ending. That's maybe frowned upon. But I, I think in terms of juice. This guy is going to be fun to watch develop if he can put it all together. Like, I I really like the upside there. I see why they took him. I see why they recruited him initially, why they went and got him out of Ole Miss. This is an important offseason for that guy, I think, because if he can have one of those offseasons where you just put your head down and and grind it out and dive in, um, he's going to push, I think, for a lot more playing time next season. So we'll, we'll monitor that and see what happens there. Let's see. Um, is there anything else from Clayton White? Uh, oh, how about Clayton White on Lenora Sellers? That yeah. that was interesting. Yeah. And um, they're asked, 
or he was asked, how has Lenora Sellis, Lenora Sellers given you a good look in sort of simulating what Vanderbilt does? And Clayton White says he, he's given us too good of a look, which is basically him saying he's he's having too much success. And went on to say that he told the offensive coaches that Sellers looks like he's getting bigger and faster as the year progresses. So I, I'll say this, guys. Let let's let's be fair with the hype for Lenore Sellers. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We're we're already, I think, Wes in the territory. I'll blame I'll blame myself. Also, because I've been a contributor, but we're already in the territory where next year it's on, right? There, there are already some people, and we know this is true, that if he doesn't come out next season and he's not on the Vegas Heisman board by week three, what's going on, right? Yep. Yeah. That will happen. Yep. yep. And so, so here, here's the latest I have there, just rumblings, stuff I've heard. He is still a true freshman. <laughs> Go, but what? How did how did Dow Loggins say it last week or the week before? There was a little comment, and he said, "My freshman quarterback." Do you remember this? Vaguely. You don't remember how he said it. I don't remember how he said it. Um, but it, it was just a reminder. This is a true freshman, so. Even behind closed doors, in practice, everything going on, from everything I've heard, he is not by any means that finished product at quarterback. And um, so let, let's remember that. Let's remember that going into the offseason, too. Now, the other side of that coin is that the upside, the ability – the, the combination of being a great natural passer in terms of putting the football where he wants combined with the threat of running the football with speed and power is a potentially special combination. So both those things can be true. Both those things can be 100% true. He may not be ready to go be the guy right now but the upside the potential the excitement surrounding him is it, still there so i'm i'm i've said all off season i've said multiple times during the season i would love to see a seller's package yeah uh, i agree uh, especially this, yeah i mean so general point on him to, to add to the arm talent and the ability to, you know, pick up yardage with his legs, explosive plays, short yardage, he he's also just a very confident I, – I would even go as far west as to say audacious player. Like, he will just – he'll let it rip, you know? And keep in mind that with him being young, that can get you in trouble sometimes at times, right? So, very confident, very smart. And as he continues to progress, it's going to be fascinating. I, I think, Wes, I, I've honestly been a little bit surprised that we haven't seen more of Sellers. I think it makes a lot of sense. Now, you're the redshirt tracker guy. 
one game this year, right? He can play in four. Some people have already asked us if South Carolina makes a bowl game. Could freshmen play in five? Answer is technically no, not right now. Last year, the NCAA granted a waiver for all freshmen to be able to play in up to five. In other words, the bowl game didn't count, right? So we don't know. He could play in these next three games and still redshirt. Then we'll see about the bowl game. Will he? I don't know. South Carolina's Wildcat quarterback, on Joyner, is now on the shelf. South Carolina also, and, and I'm going to be a little bit brutally honest with this, and it's probably not fair in some ways. South Carolina really doesn't have a third and two play right now offensively. Not a consistent one, you know? And so, is that a fit? To me, it is. But we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I think – and you you could play him in, in all three if you if you really needed to, if you really wanted to. And still, he'd be a red shirt, and we'll see what happens with the bowl. Um, you know, I, I think if there's a bowl, you're probably – Unless you're sure you're, that that waiver is going to ex- exist again, you're probably saving that one for the bowl game potentially. Um, but anyway, we're getting we're getting again well ahead of ourselves. By the way, so I, d- I did just put out the new redshirt tracker, and there's really Chris only a handful of guys that this is even a conversation for at this point, and. You know, Sellers at this point, you're redshirting him, right? Like, if you've played one game at this point, that guy is redshirting. And so, there's a bunch of guys that it's just already apparent they're going to redshirt or they've already just gone over the threshold. So, Kilgore, Harbor, Judge Collier, Desu, those guys are the true freshman scholarship players who have played in every single game so far. Then next on the list, you got Tree Babalade, Pup Howard, Troy Ball. They've played in eight of the nine games. Then you have Tyshawn Russell, who has played in seven of the nine games. So those guys, over the threshold, end of story, they'll be sophomores next year. Already, already uh, locked in. Really, so Braswell played this past week, as we know, but he's only played in two games. So... There's no reason to kind of burn that. I kind of feel like, man, I think they're playing Kelton Henderson and DJ Braswell off of each other on kickoff coverage because Kelton played at Missouri. He played at Texas A&M. He's now played in two. Braswell played this past week. Henderson did not. So Braswell's at two. Henderson's at two. Um, Braswell may have a chance to get in the rotation at running back this coming week because no joiner, right? But I, I think with two games played and three to go, you can find a way to not play him in one of those games and keep the red shirt. Um, so then Hen- whichever, if you don't play Braswell, one or two of those games at kick returner, you can, pl- or kick, Coverage, I should say. Let me get it right. Then you can play Kelton Henderson as one of your guys on kickoff coverage, and he can still maintain his status. So 
really so Vakari Swain is at three, but he hasn't played since Georgia. So I think that's pretty locked in as well. Connor Cox is the guy that is the most on the fence. Yep. He was essentially your second tight end this past week. Now he's at three games played because he played in special teams or played on special teams at AM. So if you really wanted to sort of kind of try to thread the needle, you could maybe make it happen, or you just say, forget it. He's gonna go over the four. Yeah, and here's what I'm wondering, Wes. Are you I don't want to say you don't worry about it, right? You're obviously thinking about those things for now and for the future. But you you don't you won't have Trey Knox next year. He's finished. Josh Simon has another year. And Wes, from what I'm hearing, it seems like the odds of him coming back next season. I'm not saying it's definitely happening, but the odds that Josh Simon come back, quite possible. You got Connor Cox. Cam Sandlin, Reed McKeska, also in that freshman class. Nick Elksness will also be able to return to the roster next year. You're going to bring in a freshman tight end in Michael Smith. Heck, you may you may look to the portal again. Who knows? So you hope. You, you hope. So there's 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 some bodies on the roster and there's some talent on the roster, but I don't know if you're looking at it saying, man, we. We've really got to preserve Connor Cox's red shirt. I, I think if you feel like, hey, we we need this guy on special teams and even at tight end, even if it's for five, ten snaps a game, I don't know if you don't pull the trigger and just just play him right the rest of the year. Yeah, and I, dude, I'm I'm not a big worry about the red shirt guy, me personally. Um, but I do, I kind of think with Connor though too, you're like right there, like it's not. This ain't week two and Trey Knox is out. Like if if Trey Knox is out this week, but you're like, oh, Trey's gonna be back for Kentucky and Clemson. Then you know what? I you know, play Connor this week, put somebody yeah. else out there on special teams the final yeah. two games, and, and maintain the red shirt, and then if you hopefully get the uh, that waiver for the bowl game, you know, if you got to a bowl game, then play him there too. And I, I think you can maybe have the best of, of all worlds because the, the real question is, what is the distance now between Cox and Nick Elksness? Like, Nick Elksness is the guy I would have circled as kind of probably going in with Knox out, honestly. Yeah. But Cox... So so either either Cox has passed him, um, or you know maybe Nick's been banged up or something as well. You can uh, you can never completely count that out. That's always a possibility. Could be something there we just don't know. But um, I, I think if if uh, so if, if Nick Elksness is available, the final two weeks. And um, Connor Cox plays this week, and Elksis can kind of just be your guy that goes in there in that spot. Maybe, maybe you can have the best of all worlds there. I think, and ho- hopefully, I said that right. I think I said Trey Knox at one point when I meant Nick Elksis. Obviously, Trey Knox is questionable this week, so we will see. 
There's we need the tight end, tight end matrix. Yes, on the whiteboard. Yeah, I need I need to to draw it up. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, Chris, did you see that Hootie and the Blowfish is coming back to Columbia? I did see that, Wes. Very exciting. Are you going? I was going to ask you if you were going. Uh, I would imagine there's a pretty good chance we've, you know, the family calendar has not officially locked that one in, but I, it, it has been discussed. I will say that. Well, you got time. Got plenty um, of time. It's next year. No yeah. coincidence that it's the Thursday before the football season opener. That's right. That they'll be at CLA. No coincidence at all, I think, on that. But, guys, if you, you – so tickets are on sale this week. But if you miss out on that, use our friends at Game Time with the Game Time app. I don't – y'all y'all can see my neighbor's house there, I think. And there's me and my wife. So, um, <laughs> this is going swimmingly. The There we go. Maybe y'all can see the, the glare is killing us here. But – Tickets already somehow available on the Game Time app. I don't even know how that's possible, but buy them right now through the Game Time app. I know we've all been in that position where you can't get tickets or tickets are sold out. Um, maybe there's tickets available, but they're not in the seats you want. Check out our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Go to GameTime.co if you want to do it online instead of getting the app. And right now, for a limited time, use the promotional code GAMECOX and get $20 off your first ticket purchase with the GameTime app. The beautiful thing about it, concerts, sporting events, whatever else you're buying tickets for. If you buy a ticket on there and then you find a ticket in the same section for cheaper, they're going to refund you for 110% of your purchase on game time so that is the game time guarantee check them out gametime.co or just easiest way to do it download the game time app what did we learn from pete limbo other than pete has a very very highly detailed vacation overseas that he wants to knock out at some point in the next few years Yes, yeah, speaking of matrices and itineraries, I'm, I'm sure he's got that one all planned out and drawn up. Um, You know, I think, Wes, first of all, I missed a little part of Pete Limbo. Did he address the fake punt from last week? First of all, how dare you? Yeah. Second of all, um, <laughs> I don't believe he did. I don't think he did either. Um, so, kind of surprising. Beamer did, Beamer however, addressed it. said yeah. that was a bad call on his part. Yes, he addressed it. So, so Pete didn't. That's fine. He probably he might have said the same thing. Um, so he did talk about Kai Kroger. Kai Kroger has been topic of conversation among Gamecock fans. Here's the thing: I I think that Kai set the bar. We've used the victim of your own success phrasing this year with some people, Gamecocks, non-Gamecocks. I think this certainly applies to Kai. Um, he was so good at the end of last year that I've said this before, like the Clemson game is what everybody has is there. This is Kai Kroger. This is the full experience. And he's obviously capable of doing that. Even for him last year, as good as he was, that one game was not quite the norm. He was still fantastic for the entirety, basically of last season. Has he um, taken a step back in consistency? Yeah, sure. I think so. And Pete Limbo 
you know, spent some time today talking about him, um, talking about some things that they've been working on in practice to kind of refine, rekindle that consistency. I think Wes, he's not been like as bad as people have made him out to be this year is the interesting thing because I do think they're measuring it up to that standard of the Clemson game from last year. Has he had some some bad punts that he would like back? Yes, I'm sure. Um, but he did spend some time talking about Kai, some of the things that they've been working on in practice and just trying to get him there. And, and Pete Limbo still seems quite confident in Kai Kroger. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, I was just looking it up there. Kai, fifth in the SEC in uh, punt average. Yeah, and, I mean, which is some people are acting like he has shanked every single punt this year or something. You know, it's gone a little bit overboard, and and you can say that and also say that hey, he he has not been himself. If you make last season himself, right? I mean, he is not measured up to that lofty standard overall this season. Yeah, and and punt average, um, I I don't know, may, maybe it evens out at the. Um, at the same time, and see that, never mind. Um, I'm not going there, but I was about to address a, a comment, but I'm not. Um, punt average at times, especially for a game, maybe isn't the best way to determine it because sometimes you're trying to down a punt, right? So you could have a punt average in a game of 40 yards, and you may go back and look, well, he pinned them inside the 20 every time. So I don't know, Chris, even within special team circles, do they look at net punting the most? Do they look at just hang time? Do they look at actual distance? I, I don't know. But if you want to just use this as your comparison point for Kai, the rest of his career versus now. And so this year, again, fifth in the SEC. 43.49 punt average on 43 punts. Well, go back to last year, and, and absolutely. It, there is a drop-off. Nobody's saying there's not. Last year, he was the top punter in all the SEC in punt average. 46.12 yards per punt. Um, which actually, weirdly enough, would have put him fourth this year. And, um, but Chris, you go back to 2021, his average was 42.8. So, um, that's lower than last year and actually lower than this year when he was a sophomore. So, I mean, I, I think the thing with Kai is just, there have been a few very obvious, very notable shanks. And then a couple of kicks where they kind of went the line drive, just sort of, Hey, it's gonna be a little a little bit ugly, and but let's just roll it down there and and sort of um, go with what it was like quality over style. Like we're just gonna get the yardage we need here, even if it doesn't look good. And um, yeah, as Travis says, you you have people now coming to the states throughout the SEC who have been going through to punting factories, basically. So it, that's changed the numbers a little bit, frankly. Um, 
you know, you have punters coming over here just to earn punting jobs from uh, from out of the states. So I, I think, um, you know, we'll see. I, I don't think it's fair to sit here and just dog Kai Kroger. Um, has it been a drop off? Of course, but yeah, is it to the extent that some people are trying to say? Of course not. Yeah, I mean, so, some of the people that are saying some of the, and again, I'm not. I'm not saying if you pointed out that there's been a drop off, you're in the wrong. You're not. I've said the same thing. Wes said the same thing. But if you're somebody who's saying worst punter ever, why is he still punting? Absolutely awful. And and things that are just, I mean, objectively not true. It's not even subjective. Like look at the numbers, go back and look. Have there been some, like you said, noticeable shanks? Yes. But those people that are taking it to the absolute extreme, they're probably the same people who last year, Xavier Leggett, two passes go off his hands against SC State and gets picked off. They've probably kick him off the team, worst receiver ever, blah, blah, blah. And look at what he's doing now. So, again, Kai Kroger's a guy you know the talent's in there, and it's not just a guess. We've seen it. You're not projecting it. I think he'll end up being fine. And, and that might be next year, Wes, or it might be, you know, because he's got another year. So it might be next year that he kind of returns to form, finds more consistency. But, yeah, not not a guy that I would give up on, not a guy that I would bet against. I'll say that. Real quick, let's hit a couple of recruiting items, man, or really mainly one recruiting item. Danny Hill, four-star running back. The uh, ongoing battle, South Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee. Could Could this be – Shifting back a little bit towards the Gamecocks, not not that it maybe even ever. Some sometimes I think we uh, maybe confuse sentiment with maybe what's actually going on with a prospect, and and maybe that's the case here. Maybe it's not. If you've been following the visits, certainly you've kind of been saying most a lot of Gamecocks fans have been saying, I think that dude's going to Alabama. And, you know, if if you follow the fact that, hey, he pushed back his commitment and it was going to be South Carolina. So in, in no world is that a positive thing. You know, like you could have him committed right now versus not. That was not a positive thing at all. But the other shoe has yet to drop and that he has yet to commit to Alabama. He's been there. There's nothing else they can show him, Chris. Like, there no. is nothing else on that campus, nothing else in that stadium, nothing else in that scheme you can point to to say, hey, this should push you over the top to, to suit up for Alabama. The date is now out, January 6th. We'll see what that means. Is this a secret signing thing where – you announce later, but you already signed. I, I don't know at this point. We'll find out. But I my my personal feel, and I know you've been gathering some stuff on this, man. I I was starting to believe the Bama hype for a minute. And now I'm I'm not so sure. Like I, I feel like South Carolina, you may see them start to trend back towards the perceived top leading into this final announcement, which is still a ways away. 
Well, and that there's another interesting wrinkle to this is that it is so far away. And part of that is maybe want to make a televised announcement on NBC January 6th. That's pretty cool, right? To have the opportunity to do that. But yeah, I mean, if he, a lot of people are kind of waiting for the inevitable commitment to Alabama and it didn't happen. Now it is fair. Here, here's another, this is another nuanced situation, Wes. People may not like these, but they do exist. There's a lot of them. And the outward signs for South Carolina have not been great in some ways. And, th- and those are pushing back the commitment. The very public statements that his father have made, very public, stating his preference for his son to go to Alabama. Can't ignore that. That's a big part of this. You also have the fact that he hasn't been back to Columbia since the summer when he took his official visit in June, yet he's been to Tuscaloosa multiple times. All those quite concerning, right? But hasn't committed to Alabama, like you said. And we do know, we have hard info, that a lot of the things that Daniel Hill's staying, saying about South Carolina behind the scenes have still been very, very positive. And I go back, he, he gave a quote yesterday to Steve Wolfong that was posted on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, that said, hey, looking for, I want to go to a place where it feels like home, and I want to go to a place where I can help turn the program around, make an impact. And when, I, when you read that, you go, okay, that doesn't exactly sound like Alabama. He's very comfortable with Alabama. It's very close to his home. But a lot of what Daniel Hill loves about South Carolina is the way that he feels when he is on campus. And then that second part kind of speaks for itself. So we will see, Wes. Still some time to go in this one. Still time for twists and turns. We know South Carolina will wait this one out. Stay patient with it. And provided they do that, We'll see where this thing goes, but it's definitely more interesting than it than I think it was. Yeah, we'll certainly be tracking this here on GC Live and on GamecockCentral.com. I got one more little special teams nugget for everybody I want to hit on, but first, I'm going to tell you about our friends at Liberty Tax right here in the Columbia area. Three convenient locations. Call Larry and his team today, 803-462-5576. If you have taxiety, they're going to help you cure it. They're going to help you overcome it. Tax season, tax time right around the corner. And maybe before you actually get into next year, 2024, there are some things you could maybe even do to try and put yourself in a better tax position for next year. If you want to talk about that with Larry and his team, give him a call today, 803-462-5576. Again, three convenient locations right here in Columbia. I'm going to go ahead and apologize first and foremost for the quality of the picture I'm about to post. but um, There was an interesting wrinkle from this past week that I was very just curious to talk about. And, um, Chris, I saw some people complaining about the ESPNU broadcast during the game, and I was like, man, it can't be that bad. Then I went back and rewatched the game, and um, it really – it was like they're different cameras or something. It's a different feed than the other ESPNs. So this photo, which is from my iPad, and then a picture of it from my phone. So you're already degrading it even more. But um, I I texted you about this, and I was like, have you seen this before? And one of my favorite things about football, man, is you're always going to see new wrinkles. And then they're almost always from somebody else, like a coach or a staffer has seen somebody else do it. And then you say, man, I kind of like that. 
Let's implement that. But did y'all notice this stack on South Carolina special teams? So for those who are not on the video version and can't see this right now, South Carolina lined up with like basically a four-man bunch formation or four-man stack on its kickoff coverage team where um, you kind of have two guys behind two other guys to the right side. And then it appeared, Chris, that this is also the way South Carolina was going to directionally kick the football. And so I asked you about this, and you said you thought maybe A&M Somebody did it. it. I swear I'm not dreaming it. I'm going to go back and find it at some point here. Yeah, interesting Um, interesting little wrinkle, though. So maybe, I don't know, if you're a coach out there who happens to listen to us or you happen to be watching, shoot me a message. I'm I'm just always curious to learn about this stuff. What What is the, and I'm guessing maybe it, it's to maybe get somebody a clean release over here. It, it's almost like a bunch formation you see on offense. But very interesting stuff. So if anybody in the chat or anybody listening, knows what that's all about or if it's just the obvious that you're kind of trying to you're almost creating a lead blocker for these two cover guys to maybe get a free release and uh so i I thought it was pretty interesting let me know what y'all think uh hit me up on twitter west mitchell gc or just throw it here in the chat on youtube but all right y'all other than that i think that's it you got anything else chris no man good yeah, appreciate all the support. Appreciate everybody joining. Appreciate everybody watching, listening, wherever you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the follow button. Whatever you're on, um, hit all the buttons. Appreciate you as always. This has been GC Live for Chris. I'm Wes. We'll see you on Friday. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. 
Stop-in-Louisiana.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP-IN-Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.